When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. It's an absolute honour and privilege. I'm really nervous. I don't know why. I see Sir Bob Charles every uh, Wednesday at the golf course at Clearwater, but I've never had the balls to go up and say anything. But anyway, he's on our show and he's on the phone. There have been 149 of them and they never get old. The Open, what a tournament. And with so much history and connection to New Zealand, round one is coming to a close this morning with the American Cameron Young firmly in control. Two shots clear at eight under. But the leaderboard is scattered with the big names you expect. Throughout its storied history, the biggest names in golf have all won this tournament. For us here in New Zealand, 1963 will live on forever. The first lefty to win a major and a mammoth playoff too, our very own Sir Bob Charles. We're lucky enough to welcome Sir Bob into the show now. He's been up in the UK for the 150th celebrations and it's a pleasure to have him on the show. Evening, Sir Bob. How are you doing, mate? Uh Good evening. Uh, I'm quite well, thank you. Yes. Mate, it's, uh, it looks like a pretty special occasion. I've been uh, watching it all on the TV and on the social media, mate. 150th. Does it ever get old for you, mate? Does, does, that, ever, does that feeling of being back where, you know, you've created so much history get old? <laughs> well, uh, no, I enjoy uh, being on the sidelines right now and... Uh, <laughs> Watching the uh, action on television, um, I went out this morning and uh, had a round of golf at uh, Dumbarney, which is a new golf course here, about 20 minutes from the old course, and uh, played with the, um, uh, well, the designer, architect, designer, owner, um, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I did all right actually. I lost one ball, shanked one, and um, <laughs> uh, had three birdies. Uh, I think I shot about 75 over 77, so uh, oh. I was reasonably happy with that. And uh, uh, I'm just a little sorry that I didn't get the opportunity to play the old course, which is a uh, course I love uh, so much. and. Uh, uh, have uh, gone back a long, well, 64 years since I first played uh, 
the old course and uh, it doesn't change too much. Um, the weather doesn't change too much and uh, it's, uh, it's a great test of golf. And so I'm now on the sidelines, as I say, and uh, enjoying watching it on television. So, Bob, have you enjoyed um, watching the players this time around on this uh, course and the way that they they play the course? And what's what do you see as the major difference uh, compared to when, I guess, way back when you played to today, uh, with the course still playing the same? Yes, well, uh, the, cor- the course is much longer than uh, when I first played here. It was about 6,500 yards. I think it's playing at about 7,300 yards. So what's that? That's 800 yards longer. And uh, originally, when I came here 64 years ago, every tee was beside every green. In fact, uh, you could actually stand on the green and hit your tee shots to the next hole uh, on on many of the holes. But uh, it's been lengthened considerably to uh, accommodate the distance that these uh, young um, guns uh, hit the ball. In fact, I just watched, uh, I think Tiger hit a 400-yard tee shot on the um, uh, 14th hole, um, which is uh, quite exceptional. Uh, The ball is running hard and fast, and uh, there's about... Uh, the twelfth hole, everybody was driving through the green, par four, three hundred and fifty yards. Everybody's driving it through, and eighteen is. Uh, I've seen a few shots on that. Uh, I watched. Uh, well, in fact, I saw uh, uh, Foxy uh, hit it uh, pin high left of the uh, green, and uh, did he finish with a three there or a four? I didn't. I didn't. I was distracted and didn't see his. Uh, is he one under or two under? He's one under. He's one under at the he, end. He, oh, so he must have, he must have three putted from about 50 yards uh, off the, the side of the green on 18. But uh, no, it's uh, conditions are, are going to improve over the weekend. Tomorrow there's about an 80 percent chance of rain. It'll slow the course down somewhat but the uh then the final two days the uh a uh, little bit more sunshine and uh, the hard back to the hard fast uh, playing conditions oh beautiful yeah it's been uh, fascinating to watch actually just seeing the bounce and the way they've had to play the game it looks bloody short to these players though at the moment they're all bombing about five or six of the greens but for you sir bob how tell us about the wing i saw the photo uh, the other day in front of the clubhouse with past winners, there was Lee Trevino, um, yeah, Tiger Woods, some absolute legends of the game, Darren Clark. What, what was that like for you, mate? Yeah, did you tell a few stories to, to the past winners? Well, it's every year since I don't, about 2000, um, every, well, sorry, not every year, every uh, year that we come back here to St Andrews uh, uh, on the Tuesday, we uh, have a photograph taken in front of the Royal and Ancient Clubhouse, and then we go inside and have dinner with a few of the members. Uh, I th- think, off the top of my head, there's something like 30 uh, former winners here. Uh, the only ones missing, I think, were uh, Johnny Miller. Tony Jacklin uh, and 
uh, you know, somebody was here and he did did he did not show. Oh, Mickelson, that's right. Yes, he uh, <laughs> uh, was uh, didn't want to show his face. I bet, <laughs> I believe. Uh, but uh, no, it, it's um, uh, it's a, a, a great occasion, get together, and uh, at the dinner I sat uh next uh, well between uh, Nick Faldo and Colin uh, Morikama uh, the um, well he's the defending champion uh, Colin and uh, I had a little bit of a chat with him and uh, he it was his first time uh, here at uh, the old course and uh, uh, I was telling him to keep the ball out of the bunkers that's where you're going to Start dropping shots if you get in these bunkers here, which are, uh, well, you've probably witnessed a few shots going sideways uh, out of the bunkers, which is the only option to uh, to take. To get to get them out, that's right. Hey, so, Bob, is it when you go back um, to the old course, is there some place there that you go and have a little whiskey that you really enjoy? Um, just the time and the and and somewhere you were, that takes you back to that day you won that competition. Uh, no, there are there are many watering holes around the <laughs> St Andrews. Uh, I don't, at uh, my age, I, I don't participate in that. And uh, I, uh, well, right now I'm locked in my room at uh, uh, here at the Old Course Hotel, which uh, you probably see on television, and uh, waiting for room service to uh, knock on my door. Um, but uh, no, I don't get around as as much as uh well i, n- I never did actually uh i was uh early to bed early to rise um and uh no i, I left the partying to the uh, the spectators I, I don't think you find too many of the the young pros today uh participate in um uh, those kind of uh, situations it's uh it's all full on you uh, from uh, when arrival with three practice rounds and uh, uh, and uh, right throughout the tournament. So it's uh, you, you get plenty of sleep and uh, and preparation for the next day. So uh, uh, no, I used to. Have a, well, uh, I'm fond of room service, as I'm having tonight, and uh, uh, one glass of red wine, uh, Merlot, which uh, supposedly is going to uh, wash down well with my uh, filet mignon. Ooh, filet mignon. Oh, lovely, lovely. That sounds uh, Well, and I might, add, I might add that I chased that down with a sticky toffee pudding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my favourite. <laughs> Sticky toffee pudding. Well done. Enjoy that meal. Just quickly, going to ask you about New Zealand golf. How, how proud are you, uh, Alf Ryan Fox, Lydia Co? We've got so many. You got Ben Campbell. Um, I don't know what Ben Campbell ended up uh, on today, but how proud are you of New Zealand golf at the moment? It's in good stead, isn't it? Well, yes, yes. And it's great that they've got the opportunity to play in all these events uh, around the world. I think Ben actually had uh, was two over. I think that somebody, uh, I think he had a six, was it, on 17? I think he was even playing 17 and, and had a six there. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I, but I, that's what I heard uh, secondhand. And uh, mm. 
No, New Zealand golfer is looking good. I'm, I'm uh, following Amelia Garvey in the, the second tier uh, LP, ladies tour in the USA. Um, she hasn't had any wins yet, but uh, she's got the game. And uh, yeah. uh, well, I, I hate to say it, but I did have a round with her before she headed for the United States, and and she was 70 yards on the average uh, past me off the tee, which uh, was a little embarrassing. And uh, with, with the thought Why of uh, you know, what am I what am I doing, continuing to play at this. Uh, <laughs> At this uh, stage of my career, but I enjoyed playing with her, and uh, uh, she's one of many talented uh, players we've got uh, coming up. I actually seen that, Sir Bob. I was watching your game. Um, I was playing Clearwater on the other fairway, and I seen that she's a very talented golfer. But mate, I've seen you hit a few balls, and we're all hitting pitchy wedges, and you're you're planting a five iron inside us from from way back, mate. So you've still got game. You you're still thoroughly enjoying your golf too, Sir Bob. Well, yeah, I, uh, I enjoy the good shots, and uh, um, I don't uh, exactly want to um, talk too much about the bad shots uh, today. In fact, I the, the one ball I lost, I shanked it with a six iron on a par three, and. Uh, never to be seen again and uh, I, I still have the odd shank uh, too it never, it, it's a big surprise when I when I hit it it went at 40 oh no hold on no, 45 degrees is uh, yeah it, it, um, no it, it didn't quite go 45 degrees but it was uh, it was a bit of a shocker and uh, surprise <laughs> well and, uh, yeah but um, no, I enjoy getting out there in the fresh air and the sunshine, the exercise, and, and I think that uh, it's probably contributed to my longevity. Uh, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a healthy uh, walk on the golf course is healthy exercise. Hey, so Bob, who, do you, so who you got your money on to win this tournament? Uh, well, um, I understand uh, Foxy's a good bet at uh, 90 to 1. I, I, well, that was the odds I did here, 90 to 1. So he's worth a pound or two. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think McElroy's looking pretty good. A good start. He knows the course uh, well. And uh, uh, he's, uh, what is he... Two, did he finish five or, or yeah, five? I think he's uh, two or three behind. Um, uh, and I like the chances of somebody who is, uh, knows the course well. Um, I think it's a course you, you learn to know over a period of time, and uh, he's been able to do that. And, and uh, so uh, I think I don't know what his odds are, probably even money. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's probably even money. He was paying nine dollars at the start of the the tournament to get the job done, so I'm pretty sure he would have he would have came in. I've just had a message come in. Before we quickly let you go, I've had a text message come through from Mark Shaw from PGG Rightsons. He said the grass on the greens at Dunbarney is named after Sir Bob Charles Browntop. So there you go. That's why you shot seventy, mate. They they're your greens. Uh, well, they have a mix, actually. Uh, I think it's something like 70% fescue and and 30% uh, brown top, which uh, comes from uh, from Canterbury, New Zealand. 
where it was grown and uh, produced. And uh, no, I'm very proud of having my name on the uh, on the brown top, which which they're using here. And uh, uh, it's uh, the greens. They've had trouble with the greens, not through any, not through the grass, but uh, mainly through the climatic conditions and treatment which they've been putting on them. Uh, but uh, they putted rather well today, a little on the slow side, but uh, they're putting very well. And uh, I would uh, re recommend anybody who's got a chance to uh, play Dumbarney. It's, uh, oh, well, of course, all, all courses, the, the epitome of, of uh, the courses here. And uh, uh, the, uh, uh, where were we? I've now lost them. Uh, Dumbani is uh, a good alternative to Kings Barnes and um, mm. uh, the various other golf courses here in this this area. Beautiful, so Bob, we appreciate you coming on the show, mate. We'll let you get back to your to your beautiful room service with the finish off a sticky yeah. toffee date pudding. Enjoy, mate. Thank mm. you so much. Well, I enjoyed the chat and uh, the show, and uh, you. Um, uh, do a good job there, and uh, we maybe we'll have a game when we get back in the, in the summer. I'd love to, Sir Bob. I'll, I'll hold you to that. I'll come mm. tap on your mm. shoulder and I'll, I'll play you the recording when you said that. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, well done. All the best. Yeah. Thank you. Sir Bob Charles out of the UK. Oh, he's still got a bit of wit on him, eh? And hey, what, a honestly, what a legend. He's he's eighty he's eighty plus. Eighty six. He's shooting eighty six, and he's shooting seventies, <laughs> mid seventies, mate. I'm thirty four, and I'm struggling. Straight up, <laughs> it is freakish what he can do. And and only wor and he's worried he lost the ball. He's hitting seventy six at at eighty six years old. I saw your face when he said that, mate. I'm like, wow. It, it makes you wonder what what a guy like him could do with well, he has with the technology now. But when he's in his prime, you know, the the clubs and the technology they were using, the balls mm. that they were using, the courses they were playing on back then when he won the and a thirty six hole playoff. Don't forget in sixty three, a thirty six play hole playoff. So I saw um, Tiger Woods this week made a comment about the LIV golfers that they want to play three rounds and 72 holes is too many for them. And he said, do you realise that there were guys that founded this game that were not that long ago playing 36-hole playoffs in majors? And that's that's where this game has come from. And you're saying that 72 holes is too long for you and you don't get enough time with your family. Like, reality check. Mm. And that's Sir Bob. That's his era. Icon. What a great New Zealander. Icon. I remember this. We played the par three golf uh, competition at the Hills and there's a little... Par 3 comp. Anyway, we're all hacking it around this course. So Bob gets up on the ninth hole at the Par 3 course at the Hills and hits a hole-in-one. Hits <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a five-iron hole-in-one. Oh, that's my 20th hole-in-one. I've never even threatened the hole-in-one, mate. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm giving up, man. He's golden. <laughs> We're going to chat racing with Chris Gibbs up at the beach at Ruakaka where the surf beats the turf. 
really looking forward to getting stuck in to that because there are winners galore up north. I promise you that this weekend. Well, Kempi, that's some massive accusations you're making there. Artie spoke during the week saying the team is right behind and trusts Sam and Fozzie. Why won't the media believe that? That's why the public won't. That's from Cam. And Izzy, you kind of just addressed that before. You you think that the players are backing Ian Foster? Yeah, the 100% backing Ian Foster. Um, you know, from what I'm hearing, that they've got is their, their full support with, with Fozzie. And, and I've been coached by Fozzie, mate, and, and I've got a lot of respect for him and what he's able to do. Like, you think back when Fozzie was uh, in charge, you know, he had a golden era, let's be honest, but, mate, he was doing wonders. The All back play was great. Uh, the structures were that he instilled in the All Blacks were innovative, and they, they, they did the job for those eight, that eight-year period. Now, at the moment, we've got a new assistant, and, and, and Fozzie's got to take a little bit of that because he's obviously gone out and picked his assistants. But this is a huge weekend for his assistants to really show their cards. They're the ones out there doing the coaching. They're the ones running the lineouts. They're the ones giving the, the game plan, the structures off nine, off ten. They're the ones giving the backline moves. You know, the moves we see off set piece, those are what you train all week. So I want to see some variations, some something that's innovative that makes you go, wow, how did that happen? And that is Brad Moore. So Brad Moore's going to have a huge weekend. Plum, Plumtree's going to have a huge weekend. The scrum's got to be strong with Greg Feek. So, yeah, I, I think know that the players love what Fozzie's doing and what he brings to this team. You know, at some stage, and we're going to have this discussion next week, Kempi, because we've got a test match to get through. There's so much water to go under the bridge. It's actually a, t- a torrent, isn't it, to go under the bridge first. But we will have the discussion about the coaching side moving forward. And there's got to be some culpability on New Zealand rugby here who appointed this team because when they appointed Ian Foster, they appointed Ian Foster with the coaching backroom staff that he had there. So you can't just pretend like they, you know, there had to be foresight involved. They had two paths to go down and they went down this one. So it's kind of sleep in the bed that you made it to this point, isn't it? Yeah, the point I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make is that, like, when you're at that, that level, like who and how and what is your best team? You know, I, I remember, you know, when I was coaching, we had heart rate monitors. We didn't have GPS units. They weren't they weren't the norm um, pre two thousand and five. You know what I mean? So these days, you've got a lot of analytical um, data that coaches rely on, and therefore put it up against the player and measure it and say, well, this is what the data is telling us. So we're going to we're going to select them. It's a big part of selection process. Now, pre two thousand and five, coaches went on instinct, on philosophy, on how to get people up, and knew how to do that. I think Billy Slater's shown that on Wednesday. Like, you take that Queensland team for instance, and how much more did he get out of them? He didn't get out of them that with a GPS unit. He touched on their on their heartstrings and their, and their passion. If you think about the best guys we got around the world. What I'm saying is, what is your best team? Yeah, Kempi, and, and that's a really good lead-in for me, mate. What well, I'd see the choices for him. See the floor change in an instant with Roomview because that's where I want to take the choices for him poll today because there are so many people doing it well and finding that mix of data with human touch. So head to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast in the SENZ app right now. You can click on the stream and you can have your choice. Vote in the poll. I want to ask you nice and simple. The international rugby coaching landscape, while it's a it's a fickle one, it's a funny one, because a lot of the world's best coaches aren't coaching international teams at the moment. But we have a stack of really great ones. Ian Foster... Jacques Nenubar coaching the South Africans, the Springboks. Andy Farrell, 
I mean, how much appreciation is Faz, as they affectionately call him, getting at the moment? Every column Warren Gatlin's writing around the world, he's saying he's a defensive genius and he's a man-manager that can't be rivaled at the world stage. Dave Rennie? We know that the Chiefs and Waikato contingent love to talk about how much of an inspiration he is as a man manager. Jamie Joseph is a guy who's probably been severely and significantly underrated his whole career coaching Japan. Eddie Jones, well, he's an enigma, but he's up there and he's doing a job with England at the moment. Or Fabian Gauthier, who right now is probably the hot name in world rugby as his young French side is. So who is currently the best head coach in world rugby, is he? I think it'll be easy for people just to go straight for the French team because of, of what they've been able to achieve over the last year or so with Fabian Gauthier. Uh, but for me, I'm going to I can't go. I'm probably going to be Samus Kempi with he's had a lot to do with this guy, Andy Farrell. Look, I just love what he's about. Like after a loss, he's still the same demeanor. After a win, he's still the same. Like he just doesn't change, mate. And and from a coach, you want that. You want that consistency, consistency in reactions, tempers, and and the, and their messaging out there. So for me, it had to be Andy Farrell, mate. Like what, what he's done with a an Irish side that, you know, he's inspired them. He's made them believe that that they can do anything in a series win in New Zealand. He's making them believe that they can do that, and they've got an opportunity this weekend. So I I have to go Andy Farrell for me. You you Kempi. Yeah, look, I like I really like Dave Rennie. I think you know that guy. If he's got the right team around him, especially in a New Zealand climate, he understands a, a hell of a lot how to get the best out of them. But when you when you stick the jigsaw pieces together, Andy Farrell has come to New Zealand. He's called a guy. He's called a dairy farmer off Taranaki to come to his team. You know, he's phoned a guy who's had to come out of the the islands, um, the Cayman Islands, on holiday to come in and fill in the hooker for the second team up against a New, a New Zealand Mali this week. So he can bring people together, but the other part about that is he doesn't have the the sanctum of players like the All Blacks, the English, and the Austra- uh, not the Australians, the mm-hmm. French of depth, and he gets the best out of people. He's a hybrid coach. I would call it a hybrid coach. He's come from rugby league. He understands defensive structures, which is what is the big change in rugby union, but he understands people, and that's that's why I've got him on the top. Liam's come through. Israel, is he? His record as head coach for the Chiefs and the All Blacks is awful. When he coached you, he was an assistant. Maybe that's his best role. And Liam, maybe that is his best role. An assistant maybe his best role. Um, he coached me, and his head coach role um, career it has been... You know, pretty, pretty wavered at the moment. But hey, I've been coached, and, and he is a good man. He's a good man, and maybe he hasn't got the backroom uh, quite right. That's, a, that's a great text, him. is he? That is a, honestly mm. that there is a great text. His mm. best role as an assistant. I'll tell you why. My best, my best role was an assistant. All right, mm. I was, I wasn't ready for head coaching. Um, I've always said that. I don't hold any any um, qualms about saying that, but. I was a very good assistant. You know what I mean. Yeah. So sometimes you do, mate. That's that's your role. Like know your role. Know you sit on the bus. We talk about it all the time. And I just think what the point you're making in and around the assistants, man, they got to be good. They've so got to be I've really never good. Coach Kempi, you've coached. You've coached. So what 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 is the biggest difference from when you're head coach to, to being a? Why why would you you know what? Why is it like that? Well, why a, were you a better assistant than head coach? Well, head coach has to be bad cop and good cop. You know, he has to, he has to be able to walk in and out of that realm um, without holding on to any emotion, whereas, a, whereas assistant is good cop. You know what I mean? So yeah. you've got to have the players on your side uh, 24-7. You've got to be there for them. 
and you've got to be giving them the knowledge that they need so that they trust you because you're doing all the an- analysis and you're delivering on on um, tactics. You know, I've, I've done both offence and defence. I'll never forget, we are playing Newcastle um, one year up at Newcastle and I'd been watching Newcastle year. Joey was on fire. Joey was on fire up Newcastle, but... I'd worked out this offensive game plan, and I said, we're just going to go behind the ruck, okay? And I went and talked to the middle players, and I talked to Jerry Susu, and I said, you're going to lead us down the middle of the ruck. Just get off one off the ruck, get to the A defender and chop off your outside foot and go directly back behind the ruck, and we're going to make them travel back an extra two metres on every tackle so that Joey can't get on the front foot, and he's going to, we're going to tire him out by making his middle work really, really hard so they can't carry the ball out. They've got to go back another two metres. So if you add it over a period of time, it gets more distance that they have to travel and they tied. And Jerry come off the off the pitch. We won that game and Jerry come off the pitch and just went pitch and just went, Great game game plan, Kempy. You know what I mean? Mm. And they and and you've got to have that trust because well, you're basically asking them to follow follow you with something that they you know, they just want to play football, but you gotta you they've got to understand what you where you're going and trust that you you're sending them in the right place. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally, totally agree with you there. The good cop, bad cop probably rings out for me. Like, <clears throat> Fozzie, I've, I've touched on him before. He's a lovely guy. He's a lovely bloke. <clears throat> Sorry, I just had to have a cough there. Um, he's, a, he's a good man. And, and I, like, he's a good cop. He, like, he can be a good cop easily. But when it comes to the situation where he's got to be bad cop, that's the one question mark that I probably had. Like, I've never really seen him fire up. I've never really seen him... Um, demand the best and expect the best, you know, when it comes to a situation when things aren't going quite right. Whereas Steve Hansen, mate, wow, you wouldn't want to get on the bad cop side because he's just ruined you and just put you in your place uh, from the get-go. So that's the only question marks that I had with Fozzie was he's able to be the good cop, but when it comes to being the bad cop, he probably struggle in, in that area. But overall, I, I, I feel like he's a good coach, but you've touched on it with the with the tactical side of things, the technical side of things. Maybe the assistants aren't quite doing that, and we'll have to wait and see. So yeah, yeah, and and look, a lot of the boys, especially in my area, because they're such good blokes. You know, Monty Owen, um, Sione, Ali. We had a premiership winning side. They don't talk about it, you know, because they that's yeah. their that's their culture. You know, they they're not going to say bad things about people. But me and Ando had good cop, bad cop down pat. Like, he could scream and kick holes in walls like there was no tomorrow, mate. And he would come into training rooms and he would rip threads off players. I mean, like, say things to them that was borderline. You, you, I, I would sit, stand there uh, sometimes and think, mate, someone's going to get up and smack you in a minute if you don't be quiet. Because um, he never came from the game and he didn't really understand the culture, but he'd take it right to the line. Take it right to the line. And the amount of times that I, I followed blokes into another room because they had had enough and had to cuddle them and say, hey, look, this is what he's saying. Okay, we need you to go out there. We need you to do this. Okay, don't don't take those words to heart. Now just get out there and show them that you can do it. And then they'd go out and they'd perform, mate. And it was like the amount of, amount of, amount of times we had to repair holes and doors and, and, and footwells, you know, down the bottom underneath just because Ando would lose, lose the plot. Unbelievable. You know, he ran that line... Really, really well, and we got the best out of players. You know, the the problem with that good bad, um, good cop bad cop is that it needs to, it has to evolve, and unfortunately yeah. for Ando, it never evolved um, back in back in our day. So, yeah, man, it's a it's a real fine line these days with with your coaches and how you get your mix right. You know, it's got me thinking. Uh, I love that coaching realm because they they're really smart people. You know, they're analytical brains. Um, I look at what Billy Slater's done. You know, he's 
he's come into the coaching arena with no experience yet. What he did with his Maroons team on Wednesday night is probably done more for him as a coach of the future than you know any PhD or, or study that he's going to do how to be a coach um, will ever get him. And for me, that's mm. that's the I reckon that at international level, as Ian, you know this. When you're playing that high level football, now you know when you said you look in the mirror and they see that guy looking back at you. I remember that. I remember standing in the mm. Ponamu over in the shore playing Australia in in, um, in Auckland, and all I could think about, you know, I'm up against Mel Meninga today, and you know, man, he's the best centre in the world. You know, I've got to go out there, and I'm looking back at myself in the mirror and going. You know, this little kid from Waitara going through my, my life, you know. Jeez, man, who would have thought you're standing out there in front of it? And by the time I'd finished looking at myself, I'm going, yeah, man, you got it. <laughs> let's get, let's get yeah. out there. And it's just that you've got to get that to that, just that next level. And I reckon a, co- a really good coach does that for people, you know. They take yeah, them co- just that little bit further. A, a coach that inspires. And look, if I'm going to be, <clears throat> sorry, completely honest about, uh, Scott Robinson, like Scott Robinson, has built a, a world class coaching team around him. You've got Jace Ryan, who I arguably think is the best Ford coach in the world. He is currently the best Ford coach in the world. He's coaching Fiji at the moment. The, what he's been able to do, yes, he's got quality players in the Crusaders, but what he's been able to do, you think four to five years, no one has scored a rolling more try against the Crusaders. And, and there's no magical formula to that. I've spoken to guys in the line-out. Kieran Reid, big influence in that line-out. It's all upstairs, mate. It's all upstairs. Getting your body and, and your head into those dark crevices in that mall and just stopping and the want to stop them getting over the line every single time. And, like, so so, so Robinson has built a world-class team around him. If I'm going to be completely honest, Scotty, he isn't probably he, – he knows the game and he's innovative with what he does, but he's not really probably the most tactical and technical coach I've ever had. But what he's able to do is he's able to inspire, like Billy Slater, inspire his players, get a real deep connection with them that is more than just rugby, it is, it is life. And that's what the best coaches do, and that's how you 100%. get the best out of them. And Gig has come through, sorry, Louis, Gig has come through and asked me the question, can you tell us what Fozzie is actually like as a coach? Is he a people person? Is he approachable? Can the players relate to him? Can he G up the boys when needed and be honest? Uh, from my personal experiences, Gig, he is. He is a coach that is a, a people, he is very, very approachable. But his biggest asset, and this is only speaking from my experiences, he is loyal. He is loyal to you and to, 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 to his team members through and through, mate. He showed me loyalty throughout the years when I was playing horrible, horrible and he had a real uh, care for me, and he gave me the time when other coaches would just threw you under the bus and, and threw you out. But he believed in me, so he is loyal. He's approachable. The only hard thing is, is when it's when he needs to be tough. Can he be tough? Yeah, he grabbed me a little bit, but was I scared? Probably not. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> look. Uh, only coach I was ever scared of was my old man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like for, for me, from my experience, I I, I do think Fozzie is a good coach. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Come through on the Kennard Tire phone line. And personal experiences at any level. What what does a coach do for you, and what do you want your coach to do for you? And and, and where does that connection come from? And do you see that anywhere at top level rugby at the moment? Right now, the choices for in poll is in the app. You can go click on the Izzy and Kempi for breakfast stream and let us know who the best 
international rugby head coaches at the moment? Because there's an argument to be made that the best coaches in the world aren't coaching at international level at the moment, which is a strange one. Uh, there's some great texts here. One from Abrahama. Morning, boys. Sean Edwards is a key part of the successful team setups in recent years. Wales and now France. Not a head coach, but he should be. Yeah, great call. Sean Edwards is doing a hell of a job. and. It is equally just about, as Izzy and Kempe have explained, what an assistant coach does or the technical staff do for a head coach. There's a good conversation to be had here about RTS men, and we've unfortunately the All Blacks have decided that they, we can't have anybody this morning, so it's a bit of a shame at quarter past eight. But um, we can, should we have a conversation around Roger Tuivasa Sheik instead? Yeah, look, I don't mind having a conversation about RTS. I'm, you know, I'd like to hear your thoughts, especially Izzy. You know, going into, a, he's been in this exact situation, one one all going into a, a final test match and looking across the board because as a player you would look across the board going, have I got the team and the teammates that we can we can go out there and do do a job. So what are your thoughts, Izzy? Wow, it's um look, in all honesty, I probably didn't I didn't pick him to be to be on the bench. Um you know, like in a in a decider, probably a little bit uh too soon. Uh the when he when he's taking that twenty three role, he is covering a couple of positions. Obviously, midfield is where he's played all of his rugby um, when he's come back to rugby. So that's most likely where he's going to go and play when he gets an opportunity. Look, he's got an opportunity. You back him. Do I believe and trust in him? Yeah, 100%. I believe he's got the skills and the games uh, to go out there and put on a performance. Um, but only time will tell. And there's been a message come through, like SBW, he obviously had a whole lot more build-up when he came to the game. Went to Toulon, went to Canterbury, played a hell of a lot of NPC, got a bit of Super Rugby under his belt, and then went on uh, and played for the All Blacks. And still, when he was playing for the All Blacks, after all that rugby, he still had a lot to learn. RTS has a hell of a lot to learn, let's be honest. Is 12 his position? We don't know. I, I fully believe that he needs to be on the outsides, but that's only my belief. And there's always been the question mark whether he can kick. Well, Severis... He's showing he can learn and he can kick. So there is room for improvement. And, um, yeah. There's a good text here from Mark. RTS really did need that early rugby and NPC. And I agree, Mark. The thing that interests me about him wearing 23 is, you know, by default, we might see him in his best position, which is the right wing. <laughs> There's a chance. Mm. Or on the wing. There's a, ch- a very good chance here that by the structure, if you look at where the All Blacks players in this back line, the utilities play, that he might have to start his All Blacks career on the wing, which is where a lot of us think that his best rugby might be played eventually. So there actually could be a light at the end of the tunnel in general. Mark reckons he should have been loaned out once the Auckland season was cancelled <laughs> because he hasn't been exposed to enough rugby. And Kempe, you've played a lot of first 15 rugby. Then, you know, you understand the difference between the sports, the codes. No, Nothing can, can compare to on-field time in the saddle, right? Well, do you remember Jonah Lomu's um, first test match? You know, when he when he when they picked him and they put him on the wing, I think it was against the French. Um, and just, you know, was like, wow. Ragdolling people? Well, no, he just got found out. You know, oh, he right. got found out and was up against a very good side and and we all knew he could play. And you, I can hear what everyone's saying. You know, Roger hasn't had the time. This is international football. It's the All Blacks. It's the pinnacle. All I would say, okay, all I would say, you are currently sitting fourth in the world. You're not sitting in number one. You've got a, you've got a player of Roger's calibre and through the group that's here and has been given a chance. So in the context of it, you're not you're not the sitting at the top. He hasn't really made 
the All Blacks if they're sitting at the top. Would would Roger make the team if you were number one in the world? I probably don't think so. So selection in around putting Roger in that side, you've got to put that into context. What they've asked from Roger, given the context that they're sitting fourth in the world, probably lower is he. I reckon they're sitting sixth. Um, you, you, you said that you've had him in fifth. I think Roger, you know, being the professional that he is, given the position that the All Blacks are in, I think he still does a job for them. That's my personal belief. If he gets called on, I think he does a job for them, given the, given the context that they're actually sitting fourth in the world. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree. You, you, you did right. Uh, if they were number one, if they were number one, they would have consistency and selection. At the moment, we still that's, that's exactly don't right. Know who, we still don't know who our top team is, and this is an opportunity to see what Rogers got and, and to see if the decision for him to come over and have a crack is the right one. And, and look, he's a quality player. He's an athlete, mate. He's he's played a ton of NRL. He's totally different code, but he's still the same skill sets: catch the ball, run. Obviously, the ruck is, is hugely difficult. Catch the ball, run, mate. That's his biggest asset. Get the ball, run hard. I just hope, because he's gone to 12, he's had to change his body shape. You know, he's had to really work on his muscle, getting bigger, so he can withstand those those quality, uh, those big contact area. I just hope he hasn't lost his speed, because we haven't been able to see him just really open up and showcase his biggest asset, which is his footwork. So... Um, time will tell him he's got an opportunity to go out there and prove the doubters wrong and I hope he does yeah a totally unscientific and unexpert opinion from me but I actually worry that he's been completely misused in, to, in rugby union to this point I, I really do mm. I want to see him unshackled I want to see him in space same same I, 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 I just I still can't no matter how much is explained Bloody to me GPS units well, it, it, so much, <laughs> it can be explained to me time and time again but I can't get it for logbook servicing you can rely on you need to make the right choice you need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications for real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty book in or book online at repcoservice.com